Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to gather this morning to sing your word, to read your word, to pray your word, and even now to come to the preaching and proclamation of your word. Father, Lord, we pray that your word would go forth this morning, or that our hearts would be stirred to love you, to know you more, and to rest deeply in what we have in Christ. Father, Lord, we also realize that we are not the only church gathered this morning, Lord. Churches have gathered all across the nation and all across the globe. Father, Lord, we want to pray this morning in particular for uh, local churches in the Middle East, in particular in, in these Muslim-dominated countries, where brothers are faithfully standing up and proclaiming your word at the threat of the government officials coming in and arresting them, beating them, because they proclaim your word. Father, Lord, we pray uh, for these pastors to continue to stand firm, to continue to be bold in declaring your word in these hard places. Father, Lord, we pray uh, for these or pastors working in these places, Lord, to build up your body in the places that you have called. Lord, I thank you for these brothers and the faithful work that they do. Father, Lord, even the fact that you have allowed the United Arab Emirates, Lord, a, a local church there to train pastors from around the Middle East, Lord, in a building and land that was given to them by one of the sheikhs that is the king in that nation. God, praise for what you are doing. And may you continue to do that work. Father, Lord, we also want to pray for those, as your word has said, that are in authority over us. Father, Lord, we uh, this morning want to lift up our, our president of the United States and, and Donald Trump. Father, Lord, we uh, thank you that he is uh, better, or that you have allowed him to heal uh, mostly from uh, this nasty and deadly virus. Father, Lord, we pray that you would humble him to lead in a way that is glorifying and honoring to you. Not in a way that is making much of him, but Lord, acknowledging that this position is allowed and given by you, as well as any government position you have placed in. Lord, so let him not be built in pride, but humble at what you have called him to do. Lord, help him to govern and lead in such a way that is for the good of the American people and keep pride out of his own heart. That help him to care for the weak, for the vulnerable, that he is called to lead as a leader. Lord, likewise, Lord, as, as we gather in this place, Lord, as you have called me to shepherd this church, Lord, help me to do likewise. Help me to be about laboring on the behalf of this body laboring for our good, for our unity, caring for each member of the body, and loving well. Lord, let us as a congregation do this well. Lord, help us to uh, put down our own rights and freedoms for the good of one another. What your word calls us to this is, as we see in Romans 12 and 13 and 14, God, we pray that we will be faithful. 
we open up your word this morning. May it go forth. May it stir in our hearts. Lord, help me to be faithful to proclaiming your word. And Lord, I pray that you will now speak through me to this body for the building up of this particular local church that is gathered here this morning, October 11, 2020. Lord, we praise you that you have brought us together. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. As I said, it is good to be here this morning. As Darcy, Betsy Grace, and I were traveling down yesterday, um, I caught a field as I was driving where I saw a combine out collecting corn. It brought back fond memories of my childhood. Uh, my grandparents owned a, a small dairy farm in East Tennessee. Uh, the town is is not known for its farms, it's most known for uh, the Scopes Monkey Trials uh, there in that small town. So that's where I grew up, that's where I'm from. But as I was watching this combine, just as, a, as we passed by quickly, it reminded me of what it's like farming. You have to go prepare the soil to take the seed. You have to till it up to work the land. Then you have to be faithful to go and, and plant the seed in rows and then come behind and, and cover it up and, and then spread manure over it to give it as fertilizer to help it grow and flourish. And then all you can do is sit in back and hope and pray as a farmer that the crops will, will spring forth and grow and flourish. Otherwise, it might be a hard winter for that farmer. By most years, God was faithful and has been faithful to many farmers in allowing those crops to come up even in those hard seasons. And as they gather those crops in is when their hearts are most faithful to God because they've seen what these seeds have done. They've seen what God has allowed in this harvest. And they give thanks because of what he has done in that, in the springing up of these seeds to life. But it's not just seeds of farm crops that produce, that increase. And that's what I want to talk to us about this morning. The gospel itself does this. The word of God, as it goes forth, produces fruit and increases in our lives. And as we proclaim it out to the lost and dying world around us. So if you have a Bible, open up with me to Colossians chapter 1. We will begin in verse 1 this morning. Uh, as you're turning there, Colossians is... is in the New Testament, probably three-quarters of the way through the Bible, if you're not familiar, or look up on a, a smartphone if that's what you have. As you are turning there, just some background information about this book. We're going to spend the next eight weeks working through the entirety of Colossians, week by week, beginning where we left off the week before. This is going to be the main thing I do in my preaching ministry here. We'll do some topical series, we'll do some topical messages, but mostly I want us to open up the Word to be exposed to the whole and the point that the Word is getting at. Not getting confused, me bringing in my own points, but taking the main point of the text and making that the main point of the sermon. That's what we're going to do here in Colossians. So as we prepare, this is a letter written to a local church, the Church of Colossae. It is written around 52 to 62 AD. We're not 100% sure when it was written. But we know it was written during one of Paul's imprisonments. And we can see that clearly at the end 
Colossians, which we'll get to, but just to even point you there real quick, in Colossians 4, 3, it says, At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of, the of Christ, on account of which I am in prison. So Paul is clearly in prison. That's why there's a range here. We don't know which imprisonment, because he was in prison multiple times. But it's while he was in prison. He's writing to this local church. Now, as Paul writes to this local church, as we'll see momentarily, he was not the one to reach this local church. It was Epaphras who reached him. Epaphras had most likely heard the gospel from Paul himself as he was on one of his three missionary journeys. And then Epaphras has taken this gospel back to Colossae, to his people, and declared it to him. So Paul's not responsible for them in the sense that they're his sheep, but he's writing them to them, to love on them, and to build them up. And as we go through Colossians, we're going to see that there is an error or, or some type of false teaching going on. We don't know if it was something that Paul was speculating about or if it's something that was actually going around, because this false teaching was never specified in the letter. But we know this. Paul is about grounding the people, the church of Colossae, in the supremacy of who King Jesus is. His efficiency to be the way, the truth, and the life. And brothers and sisters, that's what we want to do as we study this book. We want to see who Jesus is and that he is the only way. Because the world around us wants to tell us that he's not the way. The world around us wants to tell us that we need to do other things to add on it. Because Jesus isn't sufficient enough. And he is. So, hear the word of the Lord from Colossians 1, beginning at verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, your brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossus, grace to you and peace from God our Father, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world. It is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious mind, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in life. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, and whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Just walking through this reading quickly, so... As I said, this is a letter written to this local church of Colossae. It's written by Paul and Timothy. Paul, Paul simply saying, I am, I am an apostle, I am one sent of God. 
And here is my fellow worker, Timothy, who is writing along with me. We're, we're both praying for you. We're both wanting to encourage you and ground you back in this truth. Now, as he writes, makes clear who his audience is, the, the faithful, the, the brothers in Christ at Colossae. Now, a little nuance on this, this term, brothers. If you've got an NIV or, or some of the translations, you'll notice it says brothers and sisters. The brothers in, in the text that I'm using, the English Standard Version, along with many others, aim to paint a, a clear window into the original language, the Greek, for the New Testament. And all this is doing is showing that it, it's a way that most languages work, English being the exception, where a group of men and women being referred to is simply used in the plural male. So, so in Greek, the plural male can mean all men, or it can also mean men and women. That's just the way the language works. Spanish works this way, Greek works this way, Latin, most of the languages around the world. English is a weird language. Sorry. <laughs> Don't blame me. But in that, it is writing to the whole of the church. It's writing to the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ at Colossae. So Christian, this letter is addressed as much to us today as it was to the church of Colossae. And that's what I want us to focus on. So as we study this book, as we work our way through it, that you think of it this way. Y'all, or you all, or you ones, you guys, whatever you want to use. I'm, I'm a true Southern boy. I'm from, from East Tennessee. We say y'all. A Southerner's got something right in it. There, there's a world. So as you read the Bible, think of it often. Most of the use is meant to be plural, not singular. So it's being addressed to us whole collectively at Central City Baptist Church this morning. So now, with all the introduction, all the stuff, if I'm understanding this text right and doing this whole preaching thing right, the main point of the text, and therefore the main point of the sermon, is this. The gospel bears fruit and increases as it goes out. Therefore, Christian, let us give thanks for this life-giving message and pray to God for its continued work in us and through us. The gospel bears fruit and increases as it goes out. Therefore, Christian, let us give thanks for this life-giving message and pray to God for its continued work in us and through us. I'm going to unfold this. this. These are just some handlebars to hold on where I'm at in the sermon. Remembering the gospel that has bore fruit and increased. And the second point, praying for the gospel that continues to bear fruit and increase. So point number one, Remembering the gospel that has bore fruit and increase in us. So, right in verse 3, as Paul and Timothy begin the body and, and the main content of this letter, they say, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Their aim here is to tell the Colossian church that they're praying for them. They're thanking God for the work that he has done in them. But this is not just saying, oh yeah, look, we prayed for you this morning. Uh, you know, nothing wrong with that. We should tell people when we're praying for them. But I think there's a different point they're trying to make here. And we're going to see this as we go through. Their main point here in, in mentioning this prayer is to encourage them, to remind them what they have believed and hold fast to that. 
We need to do that today at Central City Baptist Church. We need to remind it what it is we have believed in so that that hope may increase in us, that we may stand firm in a day when Christianity is under attack and has been for decades and thousands of years. We need to be grounded in the faith we believe so that we may stand firm as opposition comes. So, let's work through this in about four different points, and I'll give those as we go. Let's look at this, the gospel of grace. Again, verse 3, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Why not say, we're thankful for you, Colossian Church. We're thankful for, for what you've done. Well, it's because Paul recognizes it's not the Colossians that have done this work. We see that in, as he goes on to the letter, he says, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you is in, indeed in the whole world. It is the bearing, it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you there in verses 5 and 6. It's the gospel that has done the work. It is, is the message of the gospel that has caused life to come in. Just like our scripture reading back in Ezekiel 37, there's, there's a reason to using that as our scripture reading. It's the word of God that goes forth into our hearts and does that work. Therefore, as we think about the gospel and its work, we need to be thankful to God for how he works in and through his word. Our God does mighty work in us. And praise be to him for that. Don't believe me. Let's just look down at verses 12 through 14. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in life. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. Over the next few weeks, we're also going to look at Colossians 1.21, which says, And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, and then in 2.13, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. See, it is God who has qualified us because our sin has left us separated from God. Not one of us in this place is deserving of God's grace, and yet he's bestowed it upon us. He has qualified us. He has transferred us. God does this through his word, which has come to us who are in Christ. That's what we want to see. This is why it's grounded in the gospel is a matter of thanksgiving to the it, it's a matter of the grace of the Lord at work in us. Brothers and sisters, we can't truly praise our God the way he deserves it until we realize what it is he has saved us from. We were in darkness. We were under the rule of Satan. We weren't simply standing on the sidelines, but we were standing as enemies of a holy God in our sin. And yet, he transfer us from that kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, the domain or rule of darkness, into the kingdom of his beloved son, Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, thanks be to God for what he has done in us. We were born in sin. We lived in sin. We stood as enemies of God. And this God has redeemed 
He qualifies us for the hope that is laid up for us in heaven. He calls us to share in the inheritance with his own beloved son, Jesus Christ, who he did not spare so that we may have eternal life. Christian, this is the hope we have. We have the hope of redemption, the forgiveness of sins, that we should not perish, but have eternal life. What's weighing you down right now? The world around us spills in chaos more than ever for those who have grown up in America. And the reality is, this is what many around the world have faced for centuries. Our brothers and sisters in East Asia constantly have to worry about the government busting in their doors and breaking up their, their services, their gatherings. What keeps them going is this hope. Our hope's not in this world. It's in the world that is to come. It's what is ours in Christ Jesus, our King. So Christian, may our eyes be looking towards heaven. I, I love the old hymn on Jordan's stormy banks I stand. We love to sing it with Betsy Grace. Or I do in particular in that time. So here's the, the line of this hymn. On Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wishful eye to Canaan's fair and happy land where my possessions lie. All where those wide extended plains shines one eternal day. There the God of sun forever reigns and scatters night away. Christian, where is your hope lying? Is it lying in the fact that we're gathered here this morning? Is it lying because you prayed a prayer and asked Jesus into your heart? Is your hope lying in traditions? Is your hope lying in other things? Or is it lying solely in what Christ has won for you? As we've already seen this year in 2020, that churches have had to stop meeting at various times because of this disease. Why do you think hope is feeling further and further away from you? Because they put their hope in what it is not secure in. But brothers and sisters in Christ, we have a hope that is more secure than anything. It's secure in what Christ has done for us. It's secure in the promises of God. And then we continue to set our eyes on that hope. As trials come, look to the hope that is secure and laid up for us in heaven. It's reserved. It's like when you go to a restaurant and have that reservation. You expect that table to be there. Most of the time it is. Christian, what is reserved for us in heaven, what is laid up, is not going anywhere. As long as we hold fast to the one that hope is in, that is Christ, our King. Set your eyes for Canaan's fair and happy land. And of course, my manuscript is going to stick together. You don't want me to go off the beat, so <laughs> the gospel bears fruit. Let's look here at verse 6. Which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Now this bearing fruit, this increasing, should turn our minds back to Genesis 1 in the very beginning 
Hear the word of the Lord from Genesis 1, 27 through 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This that was told Adam and Eve, that would be repeated to Noah, would be repeated to Abraham and those in his line. Be fruitful, and multiply, fill the earth, and subdue this language that Paul is using here. He says, it's bearing fruit and increasing. Bearing fruit and increasing. Be fruitful and multiply. It's the same concept. It's the same idea. As this gospel goes forth, it bears fruit. It increases. God has restored creation not through creating a, a new people for himself, but by redeeming the people through the new man of Jesus Christ, the new and better God, the second Adam. And this multiplication, this bearing fruit and increasing goes forth through the word of Christ. God works through his word. He bears fruit in our lives, he has borne that fruit in our lives. And brothers and sisters, we can be reminded of this. We can remember this as we go forth and take the gospel out. As we look at our own lives, we see this truth. Why are we so, so sluggish? And that may not even be the right word, but hesitant to go forth and share the gospel. If this gospel, this truth, bears fruit in our lives, is it not going to do so as we go out these doors and declare it to the lost around us? God's word bears this fruit. It increases. That's the way that God adds to his kingdom. This is the way that God builds his kingdom. It's through the proclamation of this word. So, brothers and sisters in Christ, as we leave this place today, let us go forth and proclaim this gospel and entrust that it will bear fruit, that it will increase as we declare it. And Lord willing, I will be faithful to constantly remind us of this gospel so that we feel confident in the plan. And even so, if we need this reminder, look here in verse 7. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. We need evidence of how the gospel works and increase. Look to the practice. The gospel got a hold of him. He declared it. And the whole reason Paul is writing this along with Timothy is because of the work of the gospel that went forth from Epaphras to the church of Boston. Keep seeing how God is building here and showing this. Through his word, it's his word that does this work. And we're going to be faithful to proclaim it week in and week out. But it doesn't stop here with us. As we think about how the gospel has worked in us, as we think about how this gospel gives us our hope in Christ, let's look now deeper at our own selves. 
as we turn to point two, which is much shorter. Now, praying for the gospel to bear fruit and increase. Paul and Timothy, here in verses 9 through 12, turn to praying for them. He says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Paul and Timothy are going from saying, here's how we have prayed, just in thanking God for what he's done for you. Now we want to pray for this increase even more in your own lives. He says that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. The point here is not that we need some mysterious will of God to be revealed to us. It's the point of knowing God and how he's revealed himself and then applying that brothers and sisters, in order to know the will of God, we don't need some mysterious, magical prayer of God verbally answering it. God has spoken to us in and through his word. Again, looking back to Ezekiel 37, he, he has spoken his word and life has gone forth. So as God's word goes out, it tells us what God is about, who he is, and what he calls his people to then we need to figure out how to apply that daily to our everyday lives. So when life comes at us, how do we decide to pick up and move from Wheaton, Illinois to Centralia? Well, one opportunity. But namely, what is, is the call of our lives to go and make disciples? So the move was easy. The same was true when I moved to Wheaton, Illinois, from East Tennessee to pursue my, my wife, Darcy. I, I was in East Tennessee, and the option was before me. I either moved to Wheaton to pursue the growth, or I moved home and back into one of my parents. The choice was fairly easy. I moved to Wheaton, even if it did work out, it was like, okay, the gospel is needed in, in Chicago land. So I'm going to go chase the girl and proclaim the gospel, even if it doesn't work. So I'm faithful to God's will. You see, this is what it means to be filled with the knowledge. To see how God's word works in us, equipping us to make those everyday life decisions. Do I go spend time with this person or do I stay home? Well, how does God's word work? You know, go and be around, bear one another's burdens, share in new life together. Find those types to even more complicated. How do I think through this job? How do I think through uh, a career in college? How do I think through using my retirement? Are you going to do it contrary to God's word, focused on you? Are you going to do it about making much of your God in every one of those decisions? Brothers and sisters, this is how we grow and how we understand the hidden law of God in the sense of applying his already revealed will. That's what it means to know uh, God's will. But it's not just for the purpose of knowing God. We, we need to know God, so we open his word, we study it, we read it, we spend time contemplating the truths of God. Some of you may think, but I'm not called to be a theologian. Brothers and sisters, 
that word simply means this, study of God. Each of us need to be studying to know our God more so that we can then go and live this work out. We all need to be a bunch of theologians studying our great God and learning how to live this out faithfully. That's where Paul and Timothy turn and say, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. It's not just for us to know God. It's not enough just to know God. It calls us to be transformed by that knowledge to be more like Christ who has come to redeem us. So if, as we think about our own lives, as we think about us as Central City Baptist Church, are we going to be a people who spends week in and week out coming to know our God more and then going out and walking in the obedience of that faith which is given to us in the gospel of Christ? This is what we need to do. And we can entrust here, as we even see at the end of verse 11 and 12, saying that being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share the inheritance of the saints. The Father will be the one to strengthen us. This is what it means according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Christian, as we go through our walks, there's going to be moments of hardship. There's going to be trials and we're going to be struggling as we walk in the obedience of Sin is going to overcome us, and we're going to be tempted to think God has left me. He's forsaken me. And yet we can be certain that he will continue to do this work. Why? He did not spare his own son to rescue us. How much more will he keep those that are his, that are holding fast to the hope of Jesus Christ? Brothers and sisters, rest assured, Christ will hold us. He will keep us, he will strengthen us by the power of his mind. So as you're feeling weak in your Christian life, rest assured, Christ has a hold of you. And he will not let you go. He will not let us go. He will hold us fast, and we can rest in that. As we've seen this morning, the gospel bears fruit. It increases. It has already done so in our lives, and it will continue doing so in our lives. Let's be about the gospel of Christ. Let's be about living in light of this hope and keeping our eyes set on that promise land. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for what you have done for us in and through your word. Father, Lord, we thank you for your grace in your mercy. We thank you that you have loved us in Christ. God, we pray that you will continue to be at work in us, calling us to your soul, helping us to walk in the obedience of faith. God, help us to be faithful in this. Father, maybe there are some here today who have yet to believe in this God. And they need to see that Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. That he alone has the power to save. Or even as we sing this next song, help them to come near 
help the gospel to bear fruit and increase even now in their own hearts. If this is you, come find me during this song. Come find me after this service. That we pray for you to move in this way. In Christ's name we pray.